It's time for Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast, the best place to go to get all your fantasy football news, analysis, and advice to dominate your league. Hi, you're listening to Ms. Montalban. I'm here today to bring you the latest signings, injuries, and breaking news. Thank you for joining me. Let's get started. Well, I'd like to start just by saying what happened to the Packers. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, the New Orleans Saints just shut them down. And I've never seen the Packers look more disinterested or unwilling to be able to play football than I did this first week of the season. Now, I agree with Aaron Rodgers that it's an overreaction. And with the NFL, that's kind of what it is. You know, it's a short season, so week to week, fans overreact about everything. And media. Actually, media overreacts about things more, trying to generate uh, hot takes and stories. But um, usually, you know, you, you look for patterns, and once those patterns start to arrive on a week-to-week basis, then you start worrying. So I get what Aaron Rodgers is saying. Like, it's one week, let's see what they do next week, but... It's a really bad start. And uh, speaking of bad sp- uh, starts, Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen. Man, like, Steelers are a good team, don't get me wrong. But a lot of people pick the Bills to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, them not being able to move the ball with that offense that they have against the Steelers, and uh, especially at home, definitely raised some eyebrows for me in regards to what type of Bills team is going to, you know, what they're going to look like this season. Uh, I think they'll be fine, obviously. Again, it's one week. Steelers are a really good defense, a really good team. But uh, if you're a Bills fan or someone that picked the Bills to go far, you, you know, it definitely gives you some pause after watching them play that uh, that first week. And then some crazy games, really crazy games. Um, my, my biggest takeaway, obviously, with that Raiders-Ravens game, what was that? It was like the Ravens kept letting the uh, Raiders win the game, and the Raiders like, no, we don't want it. You know, Brian Adams, you thought uh, he scored, and he was short of the goal line. So then you're like, well, they'll just win it over, you know, in the next couple plays. And then they didn't. They threw that interception that was bouncing off of everybody's helmets. And then you're like, man, the Raiders are going to lose this. The Ravens are going to march down the field. And they were driving down the field. And then Lamar Jackson fumbled and gave the ball back to the Raiders. And the Raiders were like, you know, forget this. We're just going to kick the field goal, which, you know, then they were about to kick the field goal, and they got the d- delay of game. And then they're like, oh, no, we're not going to kick the field goal. We're going to actually try to get some yards. And then they throw that bomb to the wide-open Zay Jones, uh, totally burning Marlon Humphrey. So crazy way to end the first week. Uh, you know, 49ers. That's a game to talk about, mostly because their defense was... They didn't show up like they everyone thought they would. They're supposed to have this dominant defense, and the Detroit Lions, who everyone thought was going to be horrible this year, uh, ended up, towards the end of the, the game, just kind of putting on a clinic against their defense. So, you know, it's... You know, <laughs> their offense showed out. Well, the Lions I'm talking about against the 49ers way better than I thought they would. And now I'm kind of worried about the 49ers defense. Maybe they're not as good as what we thought. Jason Barrett's hurt. He's going to be out for the year, uh, which is going to be part of the news. So it's like, 
what are we what you know what what's their secondary going to look like and are they going to be that defense that we thought we think they're going to be uh Raheem Mostert this you know uh him getting hurt hurt had a knee injury he was out for the rest of the game after two carries so he had two carries 20 yards he was going to have a really big game because then you look at Mitchell, he comes in there, like, you know, 38-yard TD run. Jamichael Hasty gets a, a touchdown. Like, they are they got over 140 yards and two touchdowns. And that would have been uh, Mostert's touchdowns and carries. So I think it's a big story, for one, because a lot of people picked Mostert in their FanDuel lineups because he had a great matchup. And... Uh, ended up being disappointed because he got hurt and didn't get to uh, uh, finish the game. And on top of not finishing the game, he was placed on IR and he's going to miss the rest of the season. So big blow to the 49ers. Uh, Like I said, Mostert, great running back, just can't seem to stay healthy. And then after two carries gets hurt and is uh, out for the year. And I really feel like this is, you know, a 49er running back issue. They have... 800 running backs all the time, and they all can play the running back position pretty well. But first off, the committee, you don't know how they're going to be used. And then secondly, they get hurt all the time. It's So you, you don't know if they're going to last the whole game, um, you know, how banged up they are. Uh, it's, it's, just a, it's just a real crapshoot in that backfield. And I kind of want to stay away from that backfield the uh, rest of the season in regards to who's going to get the workload and uh, how Mike, uh, Mike, how Kyle Shanahan's going to use those running backs in that offense. But uh, enough about talking about week one. The breaking news is obviously Monster, Jason Verrett, placed on IR. But then they went and signed Carrion Johnson. So Carrion Johnson waived by the Eagles earlier uh you know, in, in training camp by because of an injury. And now he's making another appearance. He's making an appearance because he's going to be on the practice squad. So he's not signed to the active roster, but it's a step in the right direction. So obviously if the 49ers develop any more injuries, we might be having a carry-on Johnson sighting. So that would be interesting, and I definitely felt like mentioning that. Broncos placed wide receiver Jerry Judy and cornerback Ronald Darby on the IR. Two big pieces, one on their offense, one on their defense, and that's a big blow. Uh, it actually is better for Jerry Duty. It looks like he's only going to miss, like, what, four to six weeks or so when it looked like it could be a season-ending injury the way his ankle rolled over or got rolled up on. So uh, that's definitely going to push up K.J. Hamler and uh, Tim Patrick up on the depth chart and they're going to get more opportunities, so hopefully they take advantage of it. Uh, Giants running back Saquon Barkley was limited, as was tight end Evan Ingram. And they're, you know, this is a Thursday night game, so it's kind of concerning. But they're taking it slow with Saquon Barkley, and that's kind of why I'm not expecting big things from him, even if he plays, uh, because the Giants are playing it smart and really trying to ease his, you know, ease the tension as uh, uh, Billy Madison uh, or Chubbs uh, from Billy Madison might, uh, or sorry, uh, Happy Gilmore might say, 
getting all my Adam Sandler movies mixed up. Anyways, Washington QB Ryan Fitzpatrick was placed on IR. This is significant because I made all my evaluations and all my analysis and, uh, you know, what I thought the a lot of the, like, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, what their stats would be based off of Fitzmagic being the quarterback. Now that's going to be uh, Taylor uh, Heineke. I'm not so sold on those projections. I think they're going to dip a little bit. I, I don't. I, I think Heineke is an okay backup quarterback, and you know the Washington football team will still be able to move the ball and score, but definitely not at the pace they would have with Fitzmagic. So, uh, you know, Fitzpatrick's going to be out for the first eight weeks now. It looks like that's a, a significant amount of time. And so we'll see how that affects the rest of the Washington squad. But uh, if I have anyone on Washington, that's definitely going to concern me. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be a little worried about what that's going to look like in that offense now. Cowboys signed wide receiver Robert Foster to the practice squad. And I mentioned that mostly because people remember him from the Bills. Uh, He just got cut from, what, the Dolphins, I believe. Um, so now he's signed to the Cowboys practice squad and Kenny Stills of the Saints slash Dolphins slash Texans now back with the Saints Uh, he was signed to their practice squad and then they made a corresponding move by waving running back Adam Prentice the Panthers released kicker Ryan Santoso I don't even know if I pronounced that right but they got him from the Giants they traded a draft pick but I guess they get that draft pick back because that was if he lasted more than two weeks, which might explain why he got uh, waived because, you know, he missed an extra point in that game. And uh, now they signed kicker Zane Gonzalez, formerly of the Cardinals. Uh, Lions place cornerback Jeff Fukuda on IR. That's a big blow. The former Ohio State uh, cornerback, uh, he was looking promising for the Lions. And now you got to wonder about that Lions secondary. Uh, there wasn't, you know, um, uh, Amani, uh, Amu Aware, whatever, the cornerback from Penn State that they drafted a couple seasons ago. Uh, outside of him, I don't really feel like there's anything there at, in the secondary. So we'll see how that shakes out. The Ravens released running back Trenton Cannon, and uh, that was, I think, simultaneous with the signing of Latavius Murray. So they signed Latavius Murray. He actually scored a touchdown in that game Monday night, which is crazy to think about, that he just was picked up off the street and uh, runs across the street right into the end zone. But now that's at the expense of Trenton Cannon's job. He'll probably end up on the practice squad. And the Broncos, because of Jerry Judy, promoted wide receiver Kendall Hinton to the active roster. And this is significant because he was the quarterback the Broncos had to play last year when they were forced to try to play a game without a quarterback. Kendall Hinton was uh, the guy that uh, attempted to play quarterback. He didn't play it well, and obviously the Broncos lost. Uh, Maybe they completed one pass, I think. Um, But uh, now he's back on the active roster. So a lot of good stuff here on the breaking news. A lot of roster shakeup, and uh, that will carry over into week two. The Burke and Miz Goats of the Week. Here we go. 
Alright, to further recap week one, we're going into our GOATs of the week. And we're starting off QB, Jared Goff, Detroit Lions quarterback. I never in a thousand years would have thought I'd be here on week one after playing the 49ers saying Jared Goff was a GOAT. But here we are, 38 of 57, 338 yards, and three touchdowns. He threw one pick and had three rushes for 14 yards. And it was an impressive performance. I mean, TJ Hawkinson had a great day. He was able to hit uh, Quentin Cephas. And I got to say, even with Tyrell Williams doing Tyrell Williams things, like getting hurt, uh, as he got hurt again, we'll see uh, what happens with him this week. But I'm kind of impressed with Jared Goff, I got to say. I have him rated as one of the worst quarterbacks on this Lions offense. I didn't think, well, I, I kind of, you know, they, they want to play defense and run the ball, as we've talked about all offseason, but they can't do it because their defense is horrible. They're going to be, be, be uh, they're going to be behind in games, and Jared Goff is going to have to throw the ball more than what we think. And he did here, and he did it well. So I'm... I'm not sure. This is part of the reason why I'm not sure what to think about the 49ers secondary, or maybe we're uh, underestimating the Detroit Lions offense. So uh, time will tell on this one, but uh, it, it's one or the other. So let's see uh, how that shakes out. Number two, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs against the Browns. 27 for 36, 337 yards, three touchdowns, and he had one rush for five yards, but that happened to be a touchdown as well. So four total touchdowns. And it's Patrick Mahomes. I mean, we knew he was going to be here. I actually think I picked him to be uh, one of the uh, stars of the week, if I uh, remember correctly. Actually, let's look back on that. Was he one of the stars of the week? Um, he was. So... You know, I'm obviously going to be excited about that, that I picked that one. And then uh, the next one is Kyler Murray at the Titans. 21 for 32, 284 or 289 yards for four touchdowns. He threw a pick, but he rushed five times for 20 yards and a touchdown. And he had two to DeAndre Hopkins, had two to Christian Kirk. Just uh outstanding day here. And... Uh, I again had him as one of the stars of the week. So I had two out of the three. And I'd, you know, I'd be lying to you if I had three out of three because there's no way, like I said, that Jared Goff would have been one of my picks. But uh, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals really came to play against the Titans. And I thought this would be a close game, and Titans were a team that was supposed to be one of the top teams in the AFC. And they look like they have some holes and some issues. So if they don't get that defense fixed, it's going to be a long season for the Titans, and they're not going to be the team that we, we thought they were going to be. Moving on to the GOATs of at the running back position, number three, Christian McCaffrey versus the New York Jets. He had 21 rushes for 98 yards, and he caught all nine of his targets for 89 yards. And here's the thing. For one, week one was kind of a dud for running backs in general. There wasn't any... Uh, there, were, there weren't too many running backs that had really big days. But on top of that, it just shows Christian McCaffrey can be a top 
running back in a week without even scoring a touchdown. He had no touchdowns, and he almost had 200 yards total offense, and he's the number uh, three overall in regards to fantasy football points. So just shows you what a beast Christian McCaffrey is, and he's capable of doing this without scoring a touchdown, getting enough yards that he's a, a top play of the week. Number two, Nick Chubb for the Browns. They were, you know, at the Chiefs in the in that losing effort. But he rushed the ball 15 times for 83 yards, scored twice. He did lose a fumble, but uh, he also had two catches uh, on two targets for 18 yards. And that's impressive because Nick Chubb's not much of a receiving running back, if at all. So, I mean, 18 yards is not a lot, but I'll take it because Nick Chubb is usually zero. And uh, those two touchdowns on the ground really catapulted him to the number two spot. And then number one at the running back position was Joe Mixon versus the Vikings. 29 rushes, 127 yards, and a touchdown. And then he was targeted four times and had four catches for 23 yards. So Joe Mixon, great week. And Burke will be happy because we had the debate, you know, Chris Carson or... Joe Mixon, who was going to be relevant or stay healthy. And, you know, Joe Mixon, right at, right out of the gate, gets the uh, number one uh, goat of the week. So, good for him. All right, number three goat of the week, Debo Samuel, 49ers, against the Lions. And at receiver... There wasn't too much that Debo didn't do. And it was crazy because everyone was expecting Brandon Ayuk to have a big day, uh, a big game. And instead, it goes to Debo. He had he was targeted 12 times. So he had nine catches for 189 yards, one touchdown. Now, he did have the, the fumble loss. And uh, when you lose a fumble, I mean, his day could have been even bigger. But, yeah, him being 12, uh, targeted 12 times and Brandon Ayuk... Well, we'll get to that later, but big day for Samuel and uh, in the victory against the Lions. Our GOAT of the week at wide receiver, number two, Amari Cooper, Dallas Cowboys receiver, on that Thursday night opening game against the Buccaneers. He was targeted 16 times. Now, 16 times is just insane to me. He had 13 catches for 139 yards, two touchdowns, and it just doesn't get any better for that and uh, Amari Cooper is doing Amari Cooper things so I had him ranked as the 15th overall receiver for the year and he's off to a good start he might actually be higher than that if they keep using him like they did this first week our number one go to the week was our number one overall receiver last year he's just uh continuing the domination Tyreek Hill Chiefs wide receiver versus the Browns he was targeted 15 times had 11 catches for 197 yards, one touchdown, had one rush for four yards. So Tyreek Hill, man, I got to tell you, he's just uh, he's one of the best, and and uh, he's not going to be knocked off the throne very easily with a start like this. At tight end, our GOAT of the week, number three GOAT of the week, Darren Waller, Raiders against the Ravens. He was targeted 19 times. 19 times as a tight end. And I don't know if that's because the Raiders' receivers aren't very good and Derek Carr has no one to throw to uh, on the outside, 
or if Darren Waller is just that much of a beast that you can target him 19 times in a game. And I think it's a little bit of both. I don't want to take anything away from Waller. And, you know, I, I have no problem taking things away from those receivers until they prove that they can uh, be productive. But uh, 10 catches, 105 yards, one touchdown. Just great game by him. And it was all in a winning effort against those Ravens. So number two, and this gentleman seems to just sit in those top three every single week. But it's Travis Kels, Chiefs tight end, versus the Browns. He was targeted seven times, had six catches for 76 yards and two touchdowns. So really good week. And then our number one go to the week at tight end was that Thursday night game again. It was Rob Gronkowski. And Gronk just did his Gronk smash on the Cowboys. Caught all eight of his targets. 90 yards, two touchdowns. So... We thought there might be a regression here with Gronkowski, and somebody forgot to tell Gronkowski and Brady because he had a dominant performance. And there was really, there was very few tight end, uh, dominant tight end performances this week, and really outside of those three, there wasn't too many worth talking about. But uh, kudos to all those guys; they uh, they really came out ahead, and uh, actually all of them were in winning efforts. So. Uh, that will wrap up our GOAT segment. Burke and Ms. the Wiz Montalban, Ghosts of the Week. Let's get this started. Well, let's get into the ghosts. These are all the people that we thought were going to have monster weeks, and their performance turned out to be very scary and really hurt our fantasy football teams. So I will get started. Number three at quarterback, Matt Ryan. Eagles, or Falcons quarterback versus the Eagles. Now he was at home, and I mentioned this in the preview, that you know Falcons usually play decent at home, but not in this one. I mean, the Eagles just pulverized them. 21 of 35, when he had 164 yards passing, zero touchdowns. He had two rushes for eight yards, and just, yeah, really bad performance by Matt Ryan and uh, de- a definite losing effort. Number two, Ghosts of the Week, Chicago Bears quarterback Andy Dalton at the Los Angeles Rams. And I don't think anyone expected Andy Dalton to do anything, but, I mean, I think he played so bad that there's legitimate reason for fans to have a mutiny at the Soldier Field to get Justin Fields onto the fields. Um, Dalton was 27 for 38, 206 yards, threw an interception, and then he only ran the ball twice for 13 yards, but then also lost a fumble. So two turnovers, zero touchdowns. That doesn't win you games. And that was a uh, really bad performance this week by Andy Dalton. And then our number one we've kind of already talked about, it's none other than Aaron Rodgers. Packers quarterback against the Saints, 15 for 28 for 133 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. Just, I mean, it was the opposite of a good performance. It was a horrible performance by Aaron Rodgers. And, uh, you know, a lot of people played him in their FanDuel lineup thinking, you know, against the Saints was going to have a great matchup. And he didn't. So, 
Moving on to running back ghosts of the week. We've already talked about this as well, but I usually don't put people on here because of injury, but with Raheem Mostert, I put him on here. He had two rushes for 20 yards, was looking really good, and then that injury really put a damper on a lot of people's fantasy football teams and for the you know their FanDuel lineups. He was a big play this week, and him getting hurt just kind of killed a lot of that vibe, especially right off the bat. So, you know, you get excited about week one, and then it's just crushed by that injury. And uh, that's the way football goes sometimes. I, you know, again, I he was off to a great start, was going to have a monster game, and just uh, got hurt. Number two, Rams running back Sony Michelle. A lot of people put him in their lineups thinking that he was going to maybe be the, uh, the back of choice for Sean McVay. And... That was not the case. He had one rush for two yards against the Bears and was never to be seen again after that rush. And then number one uh, ghost of the week was Ronald Jones versus the Cowboys. He had four rushes for 14 yards. Then, you know, he had that fumble loss that uh, the Cowboys were able to capitalize on, and he was nowhere to be seen again. But the crazy thing is, is Bruce Arians just announced that Ronald Jones is going to be the starter for Week 2, and he was going to get a lot of action. I don't ever trust what Bruce Arians says. Like, you know, he can say that, and then, you know, it'll be more Leonard Fournette and Giovanni Bernard. But it is interesting that he said that. Wide receiver, Ghost of the Week. Number three is Marquez Callaway. And I put him on here because, uh, you know, that Saints receiver was getting a lot of preseason hype, was a sleeper pick for many. Everyone was expecting a big day from him, and he had two targets and one catch for 14 yards. So didn't quite pan out. And uh, despite, you know, the Saints dominating, and I think that was kind of a kind of a product of just the Saints dominating the game. You know, they had a big lead. Packers had to play catch-up. There wasn't a big need for the Saints to pass the ball that much, and Jameis Winston was so efficient that, you know, he threw for four touchdowns even for, you know, a meager, what, 158 yards or so. So really didn't need uh, Marquez Callaway in this one to to win. Number two is wide receiver Cortland Sutton at the New York Giants. He was targeted three times, but only had one catch for 14 yards. That's definitely something you don't want to see. Cortland Sutton's a great receiver. And everyone was excited that he was back from injury and he was going to take his throne again as the number one receiver with, uh, you know, a big season. And uh, he didn't, you know, start off with the uh, start that uh, we, we wanted to see. And then number one wide receiver ghost of the week. We've already talked about Debo, so I will talk more about Brandon Ayuk. He wasn't targeted, didn't have a catch, didn't have any yards. And uh, that was really disappointing because he was a big play for a lot of people with uh, that kind of matchup. And all the glory went to Debo. So, Brandon Ayuk, you're a ghost of the, number one ghost of the week for us at receiver. And then tight end, number three ghost of the week was Mark Andrews against the Raiders. You know, on one side you saw Darren Waller be a goat and dominate, and then you saw Mark Andrews drop some balls. He was targeted five times, had three catches for 20 yards, and I'm I'm getting kind of concerned about Mark Andrews. He had that big season, 
Um, he, you know, had a big season last year too, but uh, he has potential to be more than I think what he's showing. And he just drops a lot of balls. And then you know, it, it feels like Lamar Jackson's just doing things himself in that Ravens offense, or at least trying to do everything in that Ravens offense. And you know, when he gets the opportunity, I think Mark Andrews needs to help out, and he just doesn't do that. So, number two ghost of the week is Dan Arnold, Panthers tight end versus the Jets. Targeted three times, had two catches for six yards. And he was a hot commodity this week, you know. The Jets are horrible at defending the tight end, at least they were last year. You know, this is a new season, so maybe uh, the Jets are turning the page. But, uh, yeah, Dan Arnold got a lot of hype this week about being a good play, and it didn't happen. I mean, I, I even named part of my segment last, uh, the last segment, uh, you know, uh, after him with the Darnold to Arnold. Uh, but uh, it didn't happen, and Dan Arnold disappointed. Then the number one ghost of the week is Mark and, oh, sorry, Mike Gesicki, Dolphins tight end at the Patriots. And this is no surprise because I wasn't big on Gesicki with Tua. Tagovailoa being the quarterback, you know, he uh, Gasicki didn't have really great games with Tua, and that just continues against the Patriots. He was targeted two times, had zero catches, zero yards, and as one of the top 12 tight ends in fantasy that you're drafting, you expected more from him, and you could have put, you know, uh, a scarecrow or a, uh, a crash test dummy in your lineup and gotten as many points as Mike Gesicki. So Mike Gesicki made you sick, and he got the, got you zero points. So that does it for the Ghosts of the Week, and we'll end this segment like it started with a, a big boo for everyone that ended up being on this list. It's Perk and Mrs. Pickups of the Week. Let's get it started. Here's the fun part of our show. This is the pickup segment where we make your fantasy football team better. And we're going to make it better today. Quarterback, three pickups. I have Tyrod Taylor for the Texans, Sam Darnold for the Panthers, and of course, number one, cats out of the bag, Jameis Winston for the Saints. Tyrod Taylor, you know, I like his rushing ability. They're going to be, be behind in, in games quite a bit this season because I don't think the Texans are very good. And, uh... So that will force, you know, a lot of passing yards, a lot of garbage time points. And I think it's worth a pickup at this at this point in time. Sam Darnold, just like his weapons around him, I think he's going to be a pretty efficient quarterback in this offense and be, uh, yeah, score enough to be a good filling quarterback or, or at least a backup. And then you got Jameis Winston, who actually could be better than your starter. You know, he was named the starter beginning of the season. When he's in there, he plays. He passes for a lot of yards, gets a lot of touchdowns. You know, he's prone to the mistakes, of course, but uh, there's no reason why he should be on anyone's waiver wire. So if he's there, you need to grab him, make your team better. Running back, my number three running back is Tony Jones Jr. for the Saints. And I liked him before the season. As soon as they cut Latavius Murray, it was on for Tony Jones. But then actually watching the usage that they had for him, he really did replace Latavius Murray in that role. So 
Tony Jones is available in almost every single league, and I think he's worth a pickup if you're desperate at running back. Number two running back is Mark Ingram II for the Texans. He's, you know, scored a couple touchdowns. He rushed, was their main target or workhorse in the backfield. And that was surprising because he was always a guy I forgot about, you know. Not that I forgot about him, but I didn't mention him as much. It was like, Philip Lindsay, David Johnson, what's going to happen? And here comes Mark Ingram creeping out of the fog, getting most of the carries that first week. So I definitely think he's worth having on your roster. Uh, you know, a running back that's going to get that type of workload and be able to have the opportunity to score that many touchdowns in a the, in the game. He needs to be rostered. So he's my number two. And then, of course, my number one is Elijah Mitchell for the 49ers. Elijah had a great first week of the season. That would have been Raheem Mostert's. You know, I'm, I'm not dumb. I get it. It's heartbreaking to watch Elijah Mitchell, uh, you know, run the ball that first week when you, you know, you know that that could have been uh, Mostert's. But I like Elijah Mitchell a lot, and I liked him a lot when he was drafted by the Niners. I liked him coming out of Louisiana. And I was actually disappointed he went to the Niners because I didn't think he was going to make the team with the running back depth that they had there. They already drafted Trey Sermon, and then they get Elijah Mitchell. And I'm like, man, I like that guy. And now he's, you know, maybe he'll make the practice squad. Well, here he is after the first week of the season being their main uh, running back and uh, having a really nice game. Having said that, though, you know, you're going to pick him up. He's going to be your number one waiver priority. You know, this is Kyle Shanahan offense. They're still going to use Trey Sermon. They're still going to use Jamichael Hasty. It's still going to be a running back by committee type thing, and you're still going to be guessing on who's going to get the workload and carry. So having said that, I like Mitchell a lot. You need to pick him up. But uh, he's not the slam dunk replacement for Mostert that uh, you think he is. Uh, moving to wide receiver. Number three, I have K.J. Hamler for the Broncos. And I like this pickup a lot. Jerry Judy is hurt. He's not going to be playing for a significant amount of time. So Tim Patrick is going to be that outside receiver. And then you have K.J. Hamler just in the slot just working that in the middle of the field. And he does such a great job there. He's a great playmaker. So I definitely think he's worth an add, and you, and you need to be picking him up. Uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. for the Panthers is my second. And I put him on here. He didn't have a great week one, but he had a lot of targets. And where he's at in that middle of the field, Sam Darnold's going to be work, uh, using him a lot. And he's one of those guys I think will start uh you know, ramping it up, getting more targets as the season goes along, and really be a key weapon for this Panthers offense. I, I felt like just the way the game went against the Jets, that uh, it wasn't really really required that he uh, be as, as much involved in the offense. But, uh, you know, it's hard to get a read on the Panthers and how good they're going to be this year. But I think... Uh, between Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, and Terrace Marshall Jr., that uh, there's going to be a lot of room for, for Marshall working underneath and getting a lot of those uh, those passing targets. 
So he needs to be your number two, especially with how much he was good. You know, he was, man, he was in like 82% of the plays. So someone, a receiver that's in, involved in, in the offense that much needs to be owned at this point. And then my number one is Jalen Rager for the Eagles. Everyone was talking about Devonta Smith, and I get it. He was the rookie, the Heisman Trophy winner, so everyone was excited about him. But Jalen Rager, you know, he got hurt last year, and I think that kind of took a his potential away last season. Well, now he's back healthy, and the Eagles need, you know, they, they have more than one receiver. And Rager got a ton of targets week one. He scored a touchdown. He's an effective receiver. So not everything is going to go to Devonta Smith or the tight end. I think if Rager's available on your waiver wire, you need to pick him up because he's going to be a receiver that's going to be relevant and uh, get you those yards and touchdowns. So moving along to tight end, this one was kind of cut and dry. Juwan Johnson is my number three. You know, he got those two touchdowns, and everyone's like, "Why don't you make him number one?" You know, he had a, you know, he had the breakout game, uh, maybe the breakout player of all of Week One. Uh, there was some hype, obviously, in circles around New Orleans about him, and they were right. My my issue with it though was Adam Troutman's still there. He's still getting majority of the snaps, so it's, I don't think it's uh, a thing where you can have those expectations that he's going to be that main guy there every week. And it could be one of those things where he has a good first week. And uh, not that he just disappears, but uh, he, he doesn't reach that production again with with the amount of uh, uh, targets that he can get. But he's definitely a great goal line threat. So if anything, I think those limited targets will be by the goal line. And uh, that makes him relevant for fantasy football. Because when you're using tight ends, you just hope they get a touchdown. That's all you're hoping for because it's, it's so hit or miss with the uh, tight end position in fantasy football. Then number two is Cole Komet for the Bears. I think a lot of people didn't draft him because they're worried about Jimmy Graham being there and what that, uh, you know, receiving, uh, well, how many targets he was going to get and what that would look like. And that first week kind of put that to rest, really put me at ease in regards to how they're going to use him. He's going to be the main guy there for the Bears. I, I, I like, uh, you know, he's out there most of the time. He's getting the passing targets. So Cole Komet's definitely worth a pickup, and you can uh, get him off the waiver wire with uh, confidence that uh, you're going to get a guy that's going to be uh, productive on your fantasy lineup. And then number one is the sleeper pick, Gerald Everett for the Seahawks. He had a touchdown and, uh, you know, only like – 20-something yards, but the big issue with Gerald Everett was Russell Wilson threw him the ball, and Russell Wilson likes to throw the tight ends in the red zone especially, but it was always kind of like a three-headed monster between uh, Olsen, Hollister, and Disley. Well, now it's just Disley and Everett, and Everett did this against one of the top uh, teams uh, that defended the tight end in the uh, Indianapolis Colts. And if he's able to do it against one of those top teams, I'm excited for, you know, the future and what he can do against these other teams. I think you need to own him. And I know a lot of people will be scrambling for tight ends because they're one of those ones where, you know, they have a hot week and you go pick them up 
and then maybe they have a couple uh, weeks where they're not doing anything. So then you want that next tight end that's having a you know a couple hot weeks, and it's like a revolving door of tight ends and just trying to chase the uh, the hot streaks in them. But uh, I think you can plug in Gerald Everett and put him in there on a week to week basis and uh, get pretty good results that will be uh, you know uh, will be with you know matchups that will help you win at the tight end position on your fantasy football team. So there you go. There's the pickups of the week. Use them, like them, uh, and let's see how they work out for you. NFL preview alert. All right, our Thursday night preview. This is going to be a game that, you know, I'm not that excited about it. New York Giants at the Washington football team. You know, minus Ryan Fitzmagic. Just uh, not that excited about it. The Washington football team is favored by three points. So, you know, give me Washington. I'll give up the three points to the Giants. I think Washington, with that defense, beats them by more than that. The over-under is 40.5. And I'm going with the under. I like Washington's defense. And with uh, Taylor uh, Heineke being the quarterback, I don't know what to expect from Washington. So I'm going under 40.5, you know. I was going to go over because that's such a low total uh, score margin, but I'm. I think it's going to be like Washington football team, you know, winning like thirty-one to like three or or something, you know, <laughs> uh, twenty-seven to to ten or something like that. So I'm starting Taylor Heineke. I think he will. Be decent enough that uh, he, he he can be a starter. Antonio Gibson, I, I just think he's going to have a really good day and run roughshod over this Giants defense. I think he can have a really big day. So I'm all about Antonio Gibson in this one. I, I think he's going to be the best uh, player in this game and, and get, uh, you know, get, he could get a touchdown maybe too, get a, you know, a lot of yards on the ground. I like Gibson in this one. J.D. McKissick, I like him as a receiver. He kind of had a dud week one, and uh, you know that made everyone say that he's someone that you should probably drop this week. I think he rebounds a little bit, and is, is you know especially with uh, Taylor Heineke, he's going to be uh, checking down a lot. And McKissick's such a reliable receiver, so I think he's relevant. Terry McLaurin. Diami Brown, you know, I kind of built Diami Brown up last week. He didn't do anything. So I'm doubling down, building him up again. I, I think he has a pretty good week this week. And uh, obviously, McLaurin will as well. And then Logan Thomas, I mean, the tight end. He he did, you know, he had a touchdown and uh, some yards uh, week one. And I just think that continues this week, that he'll be a reliable, uh, steady tight end that will get you the points you need to Maybe not win you your week, but not hurt you uh, in your your week this week. So, uh, Adam Humphreys, I have him on the bench. He's probably the only Washington person I have on the bench. And, you know, just remind me the last time Adam Humphreys was relevant outside of wearing a Tampa Bay Buccaneers jersey. He hasn't done anything for the Titans. 
He's hasn't done anything yet for the Washington football team. And I get it's only been one week, but uh, until he shows me something in a different uniform, I'm having him on my bench. Even with the uh, injury to Curtis Samuel, since Curtis Samuel's on IR, you're like, wow, maybe Adam Humphreys will, you know, finally show me something. I will believe it when I see it. So, for the Giants, I'm not really. St- I mean, I'm starting Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay, and I don't think they're both simultaneously going to have a good week. But one of these receivers are going to have a pretty good sneaky week, and I'm actually leaning more towards Shepard than Galladay. But I'm putting them both up uh, on the start list. Sitting Daniel Jones, he just turns the ball over too much. Those injuries are costly. He's you know played a good defense with the Broncos again, uh, well against the Broncos week one. Now he's playing against a good defense with the Washington Football Team. I don't like this matchup at all. I'm staying away from Daniel Jones. And then Saquon Barkley, I hate to put him on the sit list, but. When you're on the sit list, you're on the sit list. And uh, with Sakon Barkley, they're trying to ease him back in. He's not getting the, as much volume as he normally does. And he's still kind of still working his way back from that injury. So uh, it didn't surprise me he had a lousy week one. And I wouldn't surprise me if he has kind of a down week two as well uh, until, you know, they ramp him back up to full speed. Evan Ingram, he's just he missed week one with an injury. He's you know, it's a short time frame to recover for week two. I don't know if he does it, so he's on my, I'm sitting him. And then uh, Darius Slayton, for obvious reasons, I just don't think that uh, with uh, Galladay and Shepard that Slayton will be relevant in this one. So we will see. I'm, again, thinking Washington football team will win this one. And uh, what be the, uh, get the second win in the uh, NFC East. Aside from the Eagles in week one. So we will see. It should be a good game. And I definitely will be watching it. So we'll we'll talk about it on our next podcast. Woo-wee! Week one is in the books. The hay's in the barn. And now it's time to move on to week two. And if it's anything like week one, we're going to have even more to talk about. So thanks for joining us. This is Ms. The Wiz Montalban on the Ms. The Wiz Montalban Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll uh, catch you in a couple days to preview all of week two's games. And in the meantime, cheers. <laughs>